illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here we'll tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef planner and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from the Heiner Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beej. How in the heck are you doing, Beej? Billy, I'm just living the dream over here. Life is Sorry, good. Uh, you know what? Got back from Disneyland yesterday, had had dinner with or lunch with you and mom and dad and the fam. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else? Um, I had a big fire in my front yard this uh, this afternoon, burning up some old barn wood because I'm remodeling the old barn. And uh, yeah, things are going well. Nice. nice. Nothing like burning. Nothing like burning, you know. I love that smell. Yeah. Well, the purpose of Illegal Participation is for us to spread our insight, experiences, and passion for the Oregon State Beavers and others. And just generally talk Beaver sports, football, tailgating, and have some little fun every week. Um, I want to remind everyone, you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app. Also, listen and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. I'm at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, and also check out HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. First up, Beach, we have a little bit of listener feedback. Ooh, I love when we get listener feedback. Who wrote to us, Billy? Dano did. Ooh, shocking, Dano. We what did Dano have to say? Well, we he, got, e- he just got he just got married, didn't he? Correct. And uh, congratulations, Dano. Yeah, and we got an email from him, and okay. and I don't I don't know. It's saludos deside cl. I don't know what cl means. It's, it's obviously in Spanish, but it says it's nice being able to catch up on all things beaver related on the deck of our flat here in Valparaiso, Chile. It pairs well with Cab Sov, so obviously he's drinking wine. And he sent a picture from his uh, deck of his flat there in Chile. And uh, he's got his iPhone out, and you can see he's in iTunes listening to Illegal Participation. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was going to jump in here, chime in, and the fact that, um, uh, who was it, Apple? Or not Apple, Facebook finally released their copyright 
on all of our music. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't Facebook. It was uh, Warner Brothers. Okay, Warner Brothers. But I thought, you know, and what I'm shocked on is I thought Disney still owned all of the rights to Queen music. Um, I don't know. So that one kind of shocked me. But but they finally released it. So now our music will actually appear on the podcast if you listen through Facebook, right? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Who owns Queen Music? I, I looked it up, and I thought it still said Hollywood Records, which is a, an affiliate of Disney. Oh, actually, it looks like it says hmm, Sony ATV Music Publishing. They bought it from Disney? Um, yeah, this was as of July 19th, 20, well, it's July 19th, 2016. Okay. So it might've moved again. Who knows? Okay. But anyways, so yeah. So if you go back and listen to those old episodes, our, uh, the, the musical interludes will be played. Yeah. And for those of you who haven't heard it, we apologize if you have to just, you know. Let's do it on iTunes. Exactly. Exactly. Listen to iTunes or Stitcher, you'll hear it. Hey, is is I I didn't even talk. Is today my music pick? Yes, it is. Shoot, you're not ready to go, are you? No, I'm not. Bad it. beach. You God get an damn F. It, I, you get an F. Well, you're not ready. Well, the whole thing is that Kyle screws it up. Um, How is it Kyle's fault? Because he wanted to jump in on this damn thing, and now I I don't know if it's the first or the second or the third week. I'm all confused. Okay, you smell all right, that? let's go with it. it. Smells like an excuse to me. You even talked uh, about it last week. Ooh, I'm going to have a big good pick next week. I know what song I'm going to use. Shut up. I went to Disneyland. It's been busy. So did I. So, okay. I, I live alone. <laughs> okay. Anyways, do let's, okay. let's do a little Beaver Sports News for the week. First up Beaver, okay. is women's volleyball. Oh, I love women's volleyball. I just wish we would score and win. Yeah. Well, the Oregon State uh, volleyball team took... I'd like to score with them yeah, it's different and win. The oh, Oregon okay. State volleyball team took Utah to five sets before coming up short Friday night at Gill Coliseum. Then for the second time this weekend, Beach, the Oregon State volleyball team went to five sets before falling short to Colorado on Sunday. Now, in that game, Maddie Goins registered a team-best 19 kills, and Danielle Vargas added a career-best 13 kills to lead the OSU offense. Defensively, Grace Massey tied her career high with 30 digs, and Maddie Gravely added nine blocks. Now with Ooh. that loss, Oregon State's record drops to 11 and 19 overall, 1 and 17 in Pac-12 play, and OSU will conclude the season this week with a quick trip to Pullman to face Washington State on Wednesday at 7, and then the Beavs will return to Gill Coliseum to host Oregon in the Civil War. Okay. So there you go with that. Not a great season. So. No, a little depressing. All right, up next, Beach women's soccer. How are, you know that's that's the high point of our of our fall sports. How's women's soccer? Doing Actually, men men's soccer is the high point. Oh, of our women's fall soccer. Sport. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, uh, women's soccer. Another thing. Women in shorts running around. Another thing that I enjoy. Yeah, women's women's soccer concluded their season uh, last week, but uh, they placed uh, one Beaver on the co SIDA academic all district team on Thursday, as senior Kate Evans was honored for her achievements in the classroom. Now, Evans earned academic all-district second-team honors, posting a 3.92 GPA as a psychology major with a minor in biology. The senior saw action in 20 matches during her career as a Beaver. She also scored the first goal of this season off a free kick against Gonzaga. Wow. There you go. Good for her. But uh, to the more high point of the uh, fall sports season, Beach, men's soccer. 
Yes, the, 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 the bright point of our, of our fall season. What do we got? Well, Beach, on Thursday, even at Paul Lorenz Field in Corvallis, the Oregon State uh, men's soccer team booked a spot in the second round of the NCAA tournament with a 2-1 to win over Southern Methodist. Nice. Yeah. Now, on Sunday afternoon, the Oregon State men's soccer team battled to the last minute but ultimately fell to St. Mary's of California one to nothing. Now, in that game, goalkeeper Adrian Fernandez kept the Beavers in the match, recording five saves. Now, St. Mary's uh, finally scored in the 80th minute. Now, Oregon State pressed forward in the closing stages of the match, but could not get on the board as St. Mary's took the win. So with that, the Bees finished the season with an overall record of 11-6-3 and head coach Terry Boss's first season at the helm of the program. Fantastic. Yeah, so uh, hopefully we'll see more uh, success next season. All right, Beach. next up is wrestling. And how is wrestling starting out this year? Or did we get, what, are we still in, uh, what do we have? I know we mentioned it last week. What do we got going on this week? Well, uh, this weekend in the young season at the Navy Classic on Saturday, uh, Oregon State wrestling team, um, 157-pound sophomore Hunter Willits, placed second. So in the... Uh, Navy Classic, the Beavers placed as a team 12th with 41.25 team points. Uh, Michigan, team, Michigan State took the team championship, while Indiana and Navy rounded out the top three. Now, this was Willits' first placing at the Navy Classic as the Pueblo, Colorado native, went 4-1. and one. Now, the Beavers are idle until the Cliff Keen Las Vegas invite on November 30th in Las Vegas. Okay. So uh, once we get through some of these kind of preseason opens and, and invitationals, then they'll get into uh, the actual uh, dual meet season. Gotcha. All right, Beach. Uh, this one goes out to listener Greg. We got a little bit of women's swimming. Sweet. You know, I actually went over. Uh, Greg showed me where the uh, the pool, the practice pool was and stuff. Kind of cool. I didn't realize. Uh, you know, I had no idea that. I don't know if we talked about this that the women's building was meant for women's sports. Yeah. Yeah, had no idea that. Yeah, there's a pool just, in there. Yeah, that's what he said. He goes back when there was just uh, uh, men's and women's, that's where the women swam because yeah. they weren't allowed to swim with the men. Yeah. Well, had no idea. So Oregon so. State defeated Seattle University 135-63 to 63 and Southwest Oregon Community College 135-54 to 54 in the damn cancer meet, beating 15 career best times along the way. Wow. Yeah. So the Beavs jumped out in front of the event, uh, or jumped out front in the first event, sweeping top three in the 200 medley relay. Now, Chloe Bowman kept the Beavs rolling, taking first in the 1,000 freestyle and setting a career best. Now, are, are we supposed to be having a good swim team this year? I don't know. We'd have to ask Greg. Greg, could you let us know how what, what are the expectations for the uh, swim team this year? I'd be curious. <laughs> So uh, I'm, we're, we're going to have to wait for a response on that one. Yeah, of course. Now the bees are back in action with the USA winter nationals and Husky invitational November 28th through December 2nd. So they've got a couple weeks idle in competition. Okay. All right, Beach, on to women's basketball. And how are Scott and the girls doing? I heard that we nabbed a couple of uh, five-star recruits. Yes, they did. Um, I don't have that information in front of me, but yeah, um, the first time Oregon State hasn't gotten has gotten any five star recruit 
and they got two. Fantastic. So and I guess it was all, and I heard it was all because of Scott Ruick. Well, I tell you what, it, it, this team is this team because of Scott Ruick mm-hmm. and what he's laid down. Because when he came in to that head coaching job, he had one girl on the team. One. So nothing can go to anyone but him. Him so, him, and the players that he got to come here and work hard. So it's all been built by them. So, yeah, Beach, yeah. Uh, the number eight Oregon State women's basketball team cruised past Arkansas Pine, Pine Bluff 89-33 to Wednesday afternoon before a crowd of 8,800 as the team hosted its annual Beavers Beyond the Classroom game. That's the game where they bring in all the um, area grade and middle schoolers. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this. So they fill up and they cheer. And how did that go? Do we do we know how that went? Well, the crowd was the third biggest in the Oregon State women's basketball history, and the team's largest ever for a Beavers Beyond the Classroom game. Good, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, junior Michaela Pivik put up a double double, going for 12 points, 14 rebounds, and four steals, while redshirt sophomore Destiny Slocum finished with 15 points on six for eight shooting. She also dished I, I, out 11 I, I, assists as she notched her first double double of her Oregon State career. You know, I had a double-double yesterday, too, with a cheese fry and a strawberry shake. Nice. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that in there. There you go. Then, Beach, <laughs> uh, Saturday evening at Gill Coliseum, a three-point barrage lifted the number 8 Oregon State women's basketball team to an 89-56 to win over St. Mary's. Now, in that game, the Bees finished 15-29 for 29 from beyond the arc, three three-pointers shy of the program record for triples in a game. Now, in that game, sophomore guard Destiny Slocum finished with 22 points on 9 for 15 shooting. Junior Michaela Pivik filled the stat sheet yet again, going for 19 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals. And sophomore Alea Goodman hit four three-pointers to finish with 12 points. Now, Beach, in that team, or in that game, as a team, the Beef shot 48.5% from the floor and held St. Mary's to 33.9% shooting. The, wow. Beavs, the Beavs also held a 50-31 to 31 advantage in rebounds and a 21-2 edge in second-chance points. The Beavs are now 3-0 and and will hit the road for the first time this week when it heads north to take part in the Van <laughs> Vancouver Showcase. The Beavs will open the event Thursday when they take on Western Kentucky in their first of three games in Vancouver. Hmm. So, that sounds good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how this... Uh, and we're talking Vancouver. Oh, Vancouver, BC? Canada. Yeah, Vancouver, Canada. Yeah. Okay. Interesting that they play all the way up there. Yeah, so let's see. So you've got four men's, eight women's Division One teams. Looks like Oregon State, uh, Western Kentucky. Man, if these are all women's teams, this is pretty good. You've got Notre Dame versus Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Wow. Drake okay. versus Drake versus Rutgers, mm-hmm. South Carolina versus ETSU. I'm not sure who that is, and Oregon State versus Western Kentucky. I don't know who ETSU is. Any idea? Eastern Texas State University. I'm looking at the tickets. ETSU, East Tennessee State. East Tennessee. That was going to be my actually second guess, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm sure it was. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. My first guess was Tennessee, and then I thought, oh, no, that sounds weird. Texas sounds better. Well, that, that's a pretty good that, – that's got some big teams going there. No, that's what I was thinking, too. It seems like a pretty impressive uh, program. Yeah. So hopefully some uh, uh, positive uh, strides up there for the women's team as they're coming together because they got several new players on this team, you know, with Slocum and that kind of stuff. So 
hopefully they get uh, get bonded and, and really get, you know, gel as the season goes yeah. on. All right, Beach, on to a little bit of men's basketball. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Gilgori... Tinkle and the boys. Well, Gilgori Rakosevich, who from now on we're just going to call Big G, because that's what Mike Parker calls him, scored scored 15 points, including a pair of key baskets down the stretch, and Oregon State rallied in the second half on Friday for a 61-56 victory over Old Dominion in the opening game of the Paradise Jam. Now down 53 to 44 with 6:17 remaining, the Bees took a 56-54 lead on Rakosevic's three-point play with 1:47 left. Now also in that game, Trace Tinkle had 13 points and 12 rebounds, and Stephen Thompson Jr. scored a game-high 17 points for the Bees. All right. But in the semifinals of the Paradise Jam, Trace Tinkle posted. No, don't please don't don't tell me. What? Did we not do well? Trace Tinkle posted a double-double for the third consecutive consecutive game but it wasn't enough as oregon state fell to missouri 69 to 63 that sucks tinkle finished the night with 17 points 10 rebounds and six assists stephen thompson jr added 15 points and knocked down three three pointers that moved him into a tie for third on oregon state's career list with 179 the bees are now three and one overall and they will take on long beach state at long beach state on sunday long beach california yep Mm. we were just down there yeah, probably saw it from the airplane, but I wouldn't know. Wouldn't have been able to pick it out. Yep, yep. Hey, Billy, yes. Billy, do you hear that? Well, no, because I got some football news. Oh, <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> so, Beach, uh, in football news, Timmy Hernandez, a senior wide receiver uh-huh. from Phoenix, Arizona, has been named a Google Cloud Academic All District Eight honoree. Cosida. Announced on Thursday, Cosida is College Sports Information Directors of America. Now, Hernandez, a mechanical engineering major, now has an opportunity to be named an academic American. That team will be released in early December. Hernandez was a 2017 Pac-12 All-Academic First Team selection in his first year of eligibility after transferring from Pima Community College as a sophomore in 2016. Now, in addition to his mechanical engineering major, he is also chasing a minor in aerospace engineering and is slated to graduate in December. Now, on the field, Hernandez became the 31st player in Beaver history with 1,000 or more career receiving yards earlier this season and currently ranks 26th in school history with 1,127. This year, he's tied for first on the team with 48 receptions and is second with 529 receiving yards. Now, Hernandez is aiming to become the first Beaver to be an academic All-American since Aaron Cook was selected to the second team in 1999. Wow, it's been that long. Yeah. Hey, I don't mean to sound stupid here, but he came from a community college, you said? Yeah, he was a transfer. So, I mean, I, I, for, forgive me because I'm, I'm usually ignorant on this kind of stuff, but maybe some of our audience is too. So, I mean, typically you see transfers because they're like on academic probation and they need academic assistance Not before they can go to. But, well, he's such a talented athlete, yet he didn't, uh, he didn't some, receive a scholarship. Some, and, some guys and, just don't receive the attention out of high school. And so they'll go to a community college, or if you're in California, you go to a junior college, um, you know, and play for a year or two and get drum up some, some interest. And then, and then, you know, continue your career at a, at a bigger school. Okay. Um, And and ultimately he, and he played football at at what, what college? Pima community college. 
okay, they have a football team there. I mean, I guess I guess that's what kind of threw me is I didn't picture them having well, a football team. That well, the be problem there. is you you are thinking of community colleges in Oregon. Yeah. Most community colleges in Oregon do not have football. Sports, yeah. Well, no, they do have sports because uh, Lynn Benton Community College has a baseball team. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But they don't, most of them don't have, I don't think any of them in Oregon have football. But like, okay. but the JCs, which are the junior colleges in California, those mm-hmm. are basically like community colleges up here. And and a lot of guys, some of them go because they have academic issues. Others go just for financial reasons or something else. Much yeah, like well, anybody. yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and they might, you know, be able to go there, play football, and hopefully get get recognized and then and then move up to a bigger school. Okay. Yeah. So, good job for Hernandez. Okay. Yeah. Very very good. And thanks for the explanation there. Hopefully it helps some of our listeners out too, or maybe I'm just the only ignorant person in the group. I have no idea. No problem. Hey, Billy, did you hear that? Oh, I do now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got ringing in my ears. What, what is it tinnitus? Is that? Okay, I think I got that. Anyway, here we go. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. Eugene reported half of the hate crimes in Oregon uh, for 2018, or I'm sorry, for 2017, compiled on a list by the FBI. So half, 72, of, so half of the half, hate crimes half of the hate crimes in Oregon for 2000 in 2017 occurred in Eugene. Incurred in Eugene. 72 out of 146 hate crimes in Oregon occurred in Eugene. 42 wow. race rela- 42 race related, 12 religion, eight sexual orientation. Eugene police state the reason for the numbers are uh, state the reason the numbers are higher than Portland is due to one thing, awareness. But if you ask anyone outside of Eugene, they will tell you it is due to something else. That Eugene freaking sucks. <laughs> this has been your update from Eugene. There you go. That's that's. Wow. Yeah. Is again, you know, you and I were just talking about this before we started recording. That the areas and groups, cities, states, whatever, that always claim to be the most tolerant and the the most accepting and the most progressive, always end up having the most freaking hate and crime and disgruntled people and hypocrites and no good sons of bitches in. I wouldn't say always, but. Uh... Yeah, there's a trend. There's a, there's definitely a trend. Yeah, I, I I could agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah, so. that's weird. Yeah, yeah, because so. that's that's like I said, that's very counterintuitive to what you think. Mm-hmm. It's, we're so caring and we love everybody and we give everybody hugs every day, tell them we love them and we care about them. Just worry about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I say. Do I love everybody? Well, no, I don't know everybody. But, you know, most people, I don't care. Just go do your thing. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'll do mine. And we'll, I, I, yeah, I, I don't really. Yeah. I mean, my family and my friends I care about greatly. And, and there's a few acquaintances that I have a good relationship with. Other people, I really don't have an opinion one way or the other. I mean, yeah. I don't want to hit, get to see you get hit by a bus. or I hope everything goes well for you. But, but, you know, yeah. But, but, yeah, but you, you live your life. You do you. You make yourself happy. That's good for you. Yeah, exactly. And I'll cheer you on the whole way just. Don't make me change my life and don't steal my money. That's yeah, all I ask. Yeah, pretty much. All right, BJ, ready to go under further review for week number 12 in the Pac-12? After further review, the runner did 
Week number 12. Week number yes. freaking 12. I just think that's nuts. We're almost done. We only got one game left. Well, we've got we've got a couple weeks left, but well, the Beavs, yeah, they only have one more game to play after this week, so which is unfortunate. I was hoping we'd have two more games at this point. I know. I really wanted to go bowling. I haven't been bowling in forever. Yeah. So, Alrighty. So we Well, I can tell you, at, at the end of last week, we were at Beach was holding high uh, strong at number 2 at 47 points. 47 out of 77. 47 out of 77. Billy was at 49 out of 47, or out of 77. Correct. And Kyle, Kyle sucks at 43. Yep. But, because, uh, and remember last week, he didn't pick one game. Yeah, what, never what, did, did, a pick? Did you get an, yeah, did you get an answer well, on I, that? Well, I will read. He did email me, and so it started out, and we just gave him the points. Mm-hmm. Because we were feeling kind of bad for him. So he did yeah. say in his email this week, for my missed pick the other week, I was totally going to pick one of those two teams. Nice. So then he, he continues, I'll go with ASU, mostly because I'm so far behind that it only makes my tally for the season a little less pathetic. So there you go. So so, so because he didn't pick he didn't pick between ASU and Oregon? Was no, that the no, one this, this was two weeks ago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it wasn't this week. It wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago. And so I said, I gotcha. when we recorded, I said, you know, he needs to. Oh, that's right. I got a little question mark next to Kyle on the ASU. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And so I told him he needs to get somebody. And he just finally said, yeah, this is, we'll just go with that. I said, all right, cool. So we're giving him next year. We're giving him the point. Um, all right, Beach. So last week, it looks like up, all the games were on oh. Saturday. First up was Utah at Colorado. And we all picked. The Utah Utes, because we felt Colorado was going down the Maelstrom. Yep. Uh, backup Utah quarterback Jason Shelley threw for 221 yards and two touchdowns, and the Utes mastered the sloppy conditions in a 37 to seven, excuse me, 30 to seven route of Colorado in freezing rain and snow on Saturday. Have they have they fired their coach yet, Billy? Well, Beach, the Buffs managed just 19 yards in the third quarter when the Utes took control with a 17 to nothing run. Now, Matt Gay gave Utah its first lead with a 33-yard field goal, and Shelley threw a 47-yard TD to fellow freshman Jalen Dixon, and Armand Shine ran it in from a yard out to make it 24-7. Now, held to 84 yards on 13 of 22 passing, Colorado quarterback Steven Montez left the game in the second half with a sprained right ankle. Now, what was that mm. you just asked? Oh, um... Oh, did they fire their coach? What makes you say that? Well, because you said their coach is going to get fired last week. Well, Beach, on Sunday, Colorado <laughs> fired coach Mike McIntyre after the Buffaloes lost their sixth straight game. Now, McIntyre was in his sixth season at Colorado and was 30-44 and 44 overall. Now, McIntyre also led Colorado to the Pac-12 championship game, winning the South, and earned an AP College Football Coach of the Year honors in 2016. <laughs> That's like winning the Grammy. You know, any person that wins the Grammy and the Music Awards is like Millie Vanilli. You're just going to get screwed the following year and you're going to be shamed. Yep. So McIntyre is gone. So they have no, they have an interim coach for their final game this week against Utah. And they could still uh, go to a bowl game. If they beat Utah, they could go to a bowl game. 
And it's just no. They hold on. It beat Utah. They you mean they they lost to Utah? If they beat oh, they, I'm sorry. If they beat UCLA this week. There we go. Yeah. And they got a good chance of beating UCLA. Yeah, possibly. So we yeah. all got the win there, which is good, Beach, because we did not have a good week this week. None of us did. Really? No, because I think eh, we only had one game different. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, Beach, USC at UCLA. We all picked USC on this one. Please tell me. Please tell me USC won. Okay, and if they didn't, what do you want me to tell you? God, just lie to me, please. Okay, USC won. Thank you. Okay, but I'm lying. Junior UCLA running back Joshua Kelly rushed for 289 yards on 40 carries and scored two TDs to lead the Bruins to a 34-27 victory over the Trojans at the Rose Bowl for the victory bell. Now, it is the third most rushing yards in a game in UCLA history and the most by a Bruins back against the Trojans. Gaston Green had the previous mark with 224 yards and 39 carries in 1986. I only bring that up because Dano is a uh, Denver Broncos fan and Gaston Green playing for the Broncos. Okay, so what what did uh, UCLA do or what did USC fail to do that caused this, this uh, uncharacteristic loss? For who? For USC. Well, Josh Kelly's 55-yard touchdown up the left sideline on an outside zone play with 10:39 remaining gave the Bruins a 28-27 lead. J.J. Molson then added a pair of field goals to extend the margin for UCLA. Now, USC mounted one final drive and got to the UCLA 29, but quarterback J.T. Daniels' fourth down pass was incomplete with 32 seconds remaining. Mm. So there you go. That just sucks. I mean, I really don't like either team, but I hate – I I really hate UCLA. I understand. Well, you hate the coach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so none of us got the win there, Beach. What was the next game? Uh, next game was Stanford at Cal. And, Beach, that game was postponed until December 1st. So – So, and that's that, – so this really could decide who wins – out to December 1st. Yeah. Are there any other games that week uh, in uh, the Pac-12 for yes, December 1st? Yes, the Pac-12 uh, championship game will be on the 31st. Or, excuse me, the 30th. Well, November 30th. so we're assuming that neither neither of these two teams are going to the Pac-12 championship game? Neither of them can. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Utah, okay. with that win, well, well, we'll talk about it here in a second. Okay. So next up, Beach was Arizona at Washington State. And we all picked Wazoo. Tell me Wazoo won this one. Washington State star quarterback Gardner Minshew broke a school mark with seven touchdown passes, and the number eight Cougars routed Arizona 69-28 to on Saturday night to boost their long-shot bid for a spot in the college football playoff. Now, Washington State raced out to a 55-14 to lead at halftime and was not seriously threatened on its way to its seventh consecutive victory. Now, Minshew being pushed by Washington State as a Heisman Trophy candidate, completed 43 of 55 passes for 473 yards and was not intercepted. Wow. Now for Arizona, Khalil Tate threw four touchdown passes, um, but uh, Arizona obviously lost and had their two-game win streak snapped. Now Mm. Arizona was hurt by six penalties and three turnovers in the first half, helping Washington State put the game away early. Now, okay. you know, watching this, I really think, 
to me, if you were to vote for the Heisman Trophy right now, today, mm-hmm. I would have to give it to Minshew. Uh, he, he's, um, he, he means everything to that team. He's that good. Yes. And the, the, the problem is the Heisman Trophy usually doesn't go to the best player in college football. It goes to the best player on the best team. And, and, and it gets very political like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Well, I always, I always go back to uh, Joe Thiesman. Okay. Did you know his, you know his name was Joe Thiesman? Yes, but he changed it. Changed it to Thiesman just so they could market him. Yeah. Thiesman for the Heisman. Yeah. And, and I mean, when you have to start changing people's names to, I mean, again, it, it, it should be, everything is political and it's, and it's sad mm-hmm. because it should be done on, on merits, not on, on who's got the most money or the best marketing or the best access to the news organizations or the most influence through, through, uh, through sport or athletic, uh, athletic apparel companies or whatnot. No, I completely agree. Um, and you know, you look at it. I think Stanford's been screwed out of two Heisman Trophy winners. I think a number of years ago, Toby Gerhart should have won the Heisman. Um, he he had the best stats out of any running back in the nation, and meant more to that team than anyone could could quantify. And I think a couple of years ago, Christian McCaffrey should have won. Mm-hmm. He had by far better all-around stats than anyone. Nobody even came close. He was easily the best player in, in football. I think Gardner Minshew is now. Granted, I I, I don't think Gardner Minshew is going to have a a career in the NFL after this season. Mm-hmm. But I think he's the best player in college in college football. He means more to that team than anybody else. Um, and you, you know you talk about marketing, and so they they do they do make them kind of market for those uh, games anymore. Mm-hmm. And, or for the the Heisman, and so like uh, you know, twenty years ago when Ryan Leaf was kind of going for the Heisman there in uh, Washington State, they mm-hmm. they uh, they mailed out envelopes with just a leaf in it, mm-hmm. just to kind of get people going. So this one, um, have, have you seen Gardner Minshew? No. Seen a picture of him? He has a very distinctive mustache. He just has a mustache. Okay. And so Washington or Washington State, especially the fans, have really gone into the mustache thing. And so mm-hmm. they, have, they have pictures with mustaches, and the fans started wearing fake mustaches. And so now Washington State, for their uh, marketing forum, has mailed um, fake mustaches to Heisman voters. Nice. So it's kind of funny. I kind of like that. I kind of like yeah. that. Well, you know, in the, the uh, literally the biggest marketing that was ever done was done by Oregon when they pushed Joey uh, Harrington. What they do? Well, they they oh, put did, up that giant they put up sign. A big, big, yeah, big billboard. Yeah. Where was it? It wasn't even in Oregon. No, was it was it? in New York. Yeah. Joe Joey and, Heisman. It, and yeah, yeah, good old Joey Heisman. Yeah. And didn't they? And that was put up by boosters, wasn't it? It wasn't yes. the university, but boosters put it up. Yes. Yeah. So, so that was easily. I think they did it in conjunction with the university, though. Okay. There, there had to and, be some there. I don't mean to sound stupid, but why New York? Just because there's a lot of voters you know. back there, and it's you know the biggest. How do you get to become a 
how do you get to become a Heisman voter? Well, I know all the old, the old past, um, um, Heisman winners, winners are voters. Um, and okay. I, I believe there's, some um, uh, people in the media and maybe coaches. Okay. How many, how many voters are there? Do you know? I'm looking it up right now. You always ask me these questions. It's like, I try to be our audience. I'd like to think that I'm asking the questions for our audience out there and everybody's uh, rooting for me going, yeah, Beej, ask that question. So that's, that's what okay. I do. I like to think I bring something special to this podcast. So originally only players east of the Mississippi were eligible, but since 36, 37- wow, a bunch of racist, <laughs> a bunch of sectionalist bastards, aren't they? Sectionalist. Yeah, there you go. But since 1936, all players in all divisions of college football are eligible. Um, so there's so three categories of persons eligible to vote for the winner. Sports journalists. There are 870 media voters. 145 voters from each of six regions. Mm-hmm. Previous Heisman winners. Currently, that's 57 winners eligible to vote. A prior winner is not required to vote and does not lose his voting privileges by not voting. And fans. As a premier partner of the Heisman Trophy, Nissan has a vote and gives this to the fans. Fan voting done through a survey collected by ESPN. This constitutes one Heisman vote. One vote, though. Yep. But they choose choose to give it to the fans. Yep. Now, each um, voter identifies three selections, ranking them in order. Each first place vote is awarded three points, two for second, and one for third. You have to make three selections. You cannot duplicate a selection. Um, else the ballot is invalid and none of the selections count. So in other words, you can't vote for him for one, two, and three to boost his total number up. Correct. So so it's giving him six points instead of the three that you'd be entitled to in the one position. Is that Correct. what they're saying? Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Here's some other Heisman stuff. Um... Larry Kelly and Clint Frank of Yale were the first teammates to win the Heisman Trophy in 1936 and 1937. Wow. Uh, Niall Kinnick. What? They didn't win at the same. They didn't win the same no, year though. No, because they only right? gave out one. Yeah, um, that's okay. Niall Kinnick of Iowa um, is the only Heisman Trophy winner to have a stadium named after him. He won it in 39, and in 72, the University of Iowa renamed its football complex Kinnick Stadium. Wow. Oh. He's also the only winner to die in military service. He went down piloting an F four F Wildcat from the deck of the USS Lexington. In World War Two? Yep. His death in nineteen forty three made him the first Heisman Trophy winner to die. Doc Blanchard was the first junior to win the Heisman Trophy when he led Army to the national title in forty five. Paul Horning was the only player to win the Heisman Trophy as a player for a losing team. He took the award at Notre Dame in 1956 when the Irish finished a horrible 2-8. Wow, but he was that good. Yeah, he and he was. He was the best player. That's why I said it went from being the best player to now being one of the best players on the best team. Mm-hmm. And, and, or, or usually. Um, Ernie Davis was the first African-American American player to win the Heisman Trophy um, when he attended Syracuse. Um, he was actually drafted first overall in 1962, but he never played in the game in, in the NFL as he di- was diagnosed with leukemia and died in 1963. Here's Sad. one. 
Terry Baker of Oregon State was the only player to win the Heisman Trophy and play in the Final Four in the NCAA basketball tournament in the same year. He was just one hell of an athlete, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Archie Griffin of Ohio State is the only player to receive the award twice, win it in 74 and 75. Wow. So uh, did Terry Baker go pro? Yeah, but he didn't have a huge long career. And you got to remember, the NFL wasn't back then wasn't the NFL now. Yeah. You know, all those but, NFL players, you played football in the fall, and then you went back to your job selling insurance or being an accountant or whatever the rest of the year. Uh-huh. Steve Spurrier, uh, who won it in 1966 as a Florida Gator, became the first Heisman Trophy winner to coach a winner in 1996 when Danny Werfel of the University of Florida won it. Charles Woodson of Michigan is the only primary defensive player to win the award, beating out Peyton Manning. Um, Woodson was a standout. What made it, what, yeah, what made him give it to a defensive player that year? Well, he was a standout cornerback, but he also occasionally played wide receiver and was a punt returner. Oh, okay. he, he was electric when he was on the field. He did a lot. So I thought that was a good one. Um, in 2007, Tim Tebow became the first sophomore to win the Heisman. Um, he also became the first major college quarterback to rush for 20 TDs and throw for 20 TDs in a season. Mm. In 2012, Johnny Manziel became the first redshirt freshman to win the award. What happened to Johnny Manziel? Is he still playing or did they kick him out? He's playing up in Canada, last I heard. Okay. Um, didn't, he had a battle with drugs, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he's had all sorts of demons he's fighting. In 20, uh, 2016, Lamar Jackson became the youngest player to win the Heisman at 19 years old, 338 days. And just last year, Baker Mayfield became the first walk-on player to win the Heisman. Notre Dame hmm. and Ohio State each have seven winners. Ohio State and Oklahoma each have six. The player who received the most votes by percentage was Reggie Bush of USC in 2005, although he is, doesn't own that award anymore because it was vacated. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. The player who won by the widest margin was Torrey Smith of Ohio State in 2006. Um, the closest margin of votes was in 2009 between Mark Ingram of Alabama and Toby Gearhart of Stanford when Toby Gearhart was screwed out of it. 11 Heisman Trophy winners are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Four have also been named most valuable player in the Super Bowl. So there you go. Hmm. There's a little Heisman uh, Heisman trivia for you. All right. So now we got to go on to Arizona State at Oregon. Okay. Who did we all take? We all took uh, – we did bad on this one. We all took Arizona State, and I had to look this one up. From, um, yeah, because yep. I wanted to see what was going on in Eugene this last week. Yeah, I finished this. Outside of, outside of their racist, sexist homophobia that they have down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert threw for 262 yards and two touchdowns, and the Ducks held off a late rally by Arizona State to win 31-29 to and knocked the Sun Devils out of the contention for a spot in the Pac-12 championship game. Dylan Mitchell, Herbert's favorite target this year, caught four passes for 103 yards and a TD against the Sun Devils. For Arizona State, Manny Wilkins threw for 182 yards and two TDs. Uh, Nikhil Harry had seven catches for 105 yards. And Eno Benjamin, the Pac-12's leading rusher, had 29 carries for 149 yards. Now, I was watching the end of that game, Beach. It looks like it was pretty darn tight. Yeah, well, and actually... Um, Herbert had a pass deflected and Arizona State intercepted it 
late in the uh, late in the game, and they were driving for you know a winning score because a field goal would have won it for him. And Wilkins was hit from behind. He fumbled the ball. Oregon recovered it, and that was all she wrote. Disappointing. Yeah. So we all lost the point on that one. Yep. And it was far from even a halfway perfect week for me. Yep. That's disappointing. Well, none of us had a really good week. No. Yeah, so. And and the final game, Billy. Oregon State at Washington. Washington quarterback Jake Browning threw two of his three TDs in the first quarter as Washington jumped to a 28-3 lead. Fellow senior Miles Gaskin rushed for 134 yards, and the Huskies beat the Bees. Now, the Huskies dominated Oregon State early, then coasted the final three quarters. After getting a week off, Washington State's 28-point first quarter tied a school record last accomplished in 2016 against Washington State in the Apple Cup. Now, Savan Ahmed rushed for a pair of short TDs, and Browning took advantage of his chances. Um, Browning hit Aaron Fuller on a 17-yard TD after Oregon State fumbled a kickoff, and he later hit tight end Cade Otten on a 21-yard touchdown. Browning finished 17 of 23 for 240 yards, but uh, was still playing early in the fourth quarter and took some unneeded shots as Washington's protection broke down. Now, he finished his career at Husky Stadium with 55 touchdown passes. Gaskin, on the other hand, had 135 yards rushing, but it was a disappointing total after the way he started. He had 101 yards after just three carries, including a 64-yard burst on the third play of the game to set up Washington's first touchdown. He finished the first half with 107 yards, but his only time finding the end zone came on a 10-yard pass from Bounty late in the half. Gaskin added a rushing touchdown in the third quarter on a six-yard run play after a punt by Washington hit an Oregon State blocker and was recovered by the Huskies. So we fumbled the kickoff, and we essentially uh, muffed the punt. Yep. Now, Gaskin still needs 94 yards to become the first player in Pac-12 history with 4,000-yard rushing seasons. I hope he doesn't get it because that uh, should have gone to Ken Simonton. He had the chance to do it and missed it by about 40 or 60 yards his senior year. Wow. Now, for the Beavs, um, Beach, Oregon State freshman Jamar Jefferson continues his outstanding first season, rushing for 115 yards. And quarterback Jake Luton threw for 190 yards and three-yard touchdown to Isaiah Hodgins. Now, kicker Jordan Shuker hit field goals of 47, 35, and 44 yards. But the Beavs did have two key turnovers on special teams. But they also had some great special teams plays. Um, they had a great onside do, do, kick. Do, do, do tell, do tell, Billy, do tell. Well, the, I'm just saying they had an onside kick they recovered that was beautiful, and so it, it's not all bad. Mm-hmm. What, the, what the Beavs really, really, really need is some rushing defense. Their their rush defense is horrible. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Gaskin had like 101 yards in the first quarter. That's ridiculous. Because he had no, because he had no pressure. Yeah, but anyways, I was just sitting here looking at the uh, overall leaders for the country, and uh, Jamar Jefferson is fifth in the nation with 1,316 yards rushing. There's certain things that just crack me up when when we're struggling, yet we have these, these bright spots. Yeah, you know, I saw a tweet that somebody put out the other day, and it was showing the difference, the difference between the offenses, and actually, if you looked at it, Oregon State's offense 
was much better, you know, was 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 better than Washington's offense this year. If you look at their overall stats, their points mm-hmm. per game, their yards per play, the amount of rushing yards, the amount of, of of passing yards, Oregon State's got a better offense. Yet Washington is like seven and three, and the Beavs are two and eight, and it's all because of defense. You know, Beavs don't have one. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. All right, Beavs, let's look at the uh, Pac-12 teams in the polls right now. Okay. We're, 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 yeah, I mean, are we going to see much movement next week, or do you think it's pretty much lined well, up? Uh, well, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. So right now, Beach, Washington State in the AP poll comes in at 7, Washington at 16, Utah at 18, and Stanford is in the others receiving votes category. In the Coaches USA Today poll, Washington State's at 7, Washington at 16, and Utah at 17, with nobody else receiving votes. So – and, and now, because of when we record, we don't have the updated playoff um, rankings. But mm-hmm. as of last week, uh, uh, Washington State was seventh, right? Okay. So going after last week's things, one through seven. So everybody that played won, right? So we, sh- so we shouldn't see, so we shouldn't see shouldn't, much movement. Shouldn't we see much movement this week. Now, remaining, Alabama's number one. They have a final game at Auburn, and then a uh, the SEC championship game against Georgia. Okay. Clemson is number two. They play at South Carolina this week, and then have their final game against Pitt. Notre Dame, who is third, has one game left. They play USC this week. Okay. Michigan is fourth. They play their annual rivalry game against Ohio State on Saturday. And then, depending on who wins, the winner of that game goes to play Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. Okay. Georgia plays Georgia Tech this week, and then Alabama next week in the SEC Championship game. Oklahoma only has one game left against number nine, West Virginia. And LSU uh, has one game left against Texas A&M. And then Washington State will play Washington, and then the winner of that game plays Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Gotcha. So they're going to have a hard time getting up there. Yeah. They're going to have a hard time moving. But I think they'd be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, they any any bowl game they go to, I mean, that's definitely going to be a good one to watch. Yeah. So what we just want to see, Beach, is chaos. Yeah, yeah. Chaos, just so, chaos in front of them. But but uh, so if uh, if assuming that they assuming Washington State wins out, they will go to the Rose Bowl, correct? Correct. I believe so. Okay, and um, the loser of the Pac-12 goes to. Um, usually the in uh, the. Uh, Holiday Bowl in San Diego. Okay. 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 So the two um, playoff bowls this year mm-hmm. are on December 29th, and they're the Goodyear Cotton Bowl and the Capital One Orange Bowl. Okay. So there you go. And then the national championship game is actually played at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. Hmm. So there you go. All right. 
So things should get a little more clear this week and uh, this next week. We just want to see a lot of a lot of chaos this week. Yep. yep. All right, Beach. It is now time for your favorite segment of the week, the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. Jackass of the Week Award. Every week we discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beej, because there's just been something that bothers me. Okay. And it's been bothering what, me. Billy, Billy, what bothers you? Beej, this week we're giving it to Gary Effing Anderson. Gary Effin Anderson. Yep, ex-head coach of the Beavs. And you might think, why are we giving it to Gary Effin Anderson? What'd he do? Yeah. Well, let me give you a little update. So everyone knows that Gary Effin Anderson quit last year, five games into the season. This left Oregon State football a dumpster fire when he left. But Gary Effin Anderson... But, 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 he, but, but he didn't take any money. True. So let, let's, let's give him kudos where we can. He, he canceled his contract, waived any compensation. True. But all I have to say is if you have your nuts in advice because you've been putting your junk somewhere where it shouldn't be and you don't Something want that coming out, out did so- I'm just saying did- nothing's coming out. Nobody's saying anything. But I'm just saying if somebody has information on you that you don't want to get out, then you might you walk make- away too. You might make some concessions, You too. might make some concessions. Anyway, so Gary Effing Anderson, do you know where he is now, Beej? I have no idea. Well, he's back at the University of Utah as a defensive line coach and associate head coach. Really? Yeah. So you think, well, Bill, what did Gary Effing Anderson do this week that makes you want to give him the Jackass of the Week award? Yeah. Well, he didn't do anything this week, Beej. It's actually somebody else. Now, now you're, confusing, you're confusing me, Billy. Well, I know it's late, it's late at night. I can't handle and it's, all and this. And what the what the other somebody what the other person did the something else the other person did it was extremely good. So you're like, okay. Bill, how's this working out? Yeah, it's like a Seinfeld episode. So, I'm waiting for it all to come together. Beach, do you know the name Marcus McMarion? I do know the name Marcus McMarion. What do you remember Marcus a- McMarion from? He was an Oregon State player. He was a quarterback. He was a quarterback um, under Anderson. He actually quarterbacked the Beavs to that Civil War victory in 2016. Uh Uh-huh. And then beginning of last season, he left. Yep. Basically got run out by Anderson and his staff. Yep. Anderson would never play McMarion. He put him way down the end of the the rotation. Well, he only got in because... Yeah, he only got in because everybody in front of him got hurt. Yeah. Yeah, because it's pretty obvious Anderson and his staff didn't feel McMarion could compete in the Pac-12 or the Division One football level. So Even he, though he went down south and has been having a kick-ass season. Correct. So he transferred to Fresno State. Now, earlier this season, Beach, Marcus McMarion was selected as one of 20 semifinalists for the Maxwell Award, which is presented annually to the best player of the year in college football. Similar to the Heisman, but a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Now, Beach, just this last Sunday, the Fresno State Bulldogs moved back into the national rankings 
a day after clinching a West Division title and a spot in the Mountain West Conference Championship game with a 23-14 victory over San Diego State. Now Fresno Gary, what? Gary F. and Anderson. Yep. Now Fresno State um, will end the season uh, this Saturday against San Jose State. We'll play the winner between Utah State and Boise State. Now the Bulldogs are in the conference title game for the second year in a row. Now what happened last year to put them in the title game this year and last year? Well, one, they hired Jeff Tedford as a head coach, who's an excellent head coach. And they brought in quarterback transfer Marcus McMarion. Now, Beach, in 2017, Marcus McMarion, who Gary Effing Anderson decided couldn't play in the Pac-12, completed 218 of 351 passes for 2,726 yards, 14 TDs, and five interceptions. He also had 302 yards rushing and four touchdowns. (coughs) Now, this season, Beach... He's got an even higher percentage, completing 238 of 337 for 2,966 yards, 22 touchdowns, only three interceptions, with 183 yards rushing with seven touchdowns. And he's still got at least two games to go. Well, three because he'll he'll be in a bowl game too. And what you're saying is that could have been our quarterback. What I'm saying is Gary Effing Anderson didn't feel he had Division I talent. Which just tells me Gary Affine Anderson isn't a very good head coach. Doesn't know talent. I don't know how good a coach he is, period. You know, because Anderson also ran backup quarterback Kyle Kempt out of the system. And last year, Kyle Kempt um, famously quarterbacked Iowa State to a win at Oklahoma. And I just. Sometimes you wonder if people aren't. Are they incompetent or is it deliberate? Or just stupid. Yeah. Well, and I'd say, so the reason why I bring up Gary Effing Anderson is because every time, and I feel great for McMarion. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Right? But every time that I see Fresno State having all the success, it just pisses me off a little bit more about Gary Effing Anderson. So that is why we're giving Gary Effing Anderson this week's <laughs> Jackass of the week. Freaking jackass. I hate the guy. He's a piece of crap. You know nothing of why he might have left. Well, I've heard... So, Beach, I have been surprised that nobody has said anything. Right? Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. haven't gotten anything out of it. And No. I... I, I, I think there was some sexual impropriety going on. That's me. I've got a couple hints here or there, and I just – that's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's also why I moved back to Utah. Because he moved back to Utah right after he quit coaching. He really? That down. Yeah, that's just my suppositions in that. Mm-hmm. So. All right, Beach. It is now time for our weekly musical interlude, and it is your pick. And we are going to have to pause this. <laughs> so basically, so, you're not prepared. I'm I'm working on it, but my tablet here 
does not have it's only got one printed power and i've been trying to work it while we've been doing this and it keeps dying when i get close which is the story of my life um okay so i have a song and actually i got this song off of the movie bohemian rhapsody because i honestly don't have a lot of queen history other than the the most common songs uh-huh. and then they played this one in the movie and i'm like i freaking like that song um this one the one that i'm gonna call tonight is uh hammer to fall um and my freaking tablet wait, just wait. died well do you want me to read something about it yeah you know what billy yes i call hammer to fall tell us more about hammer to fall it was it's a song written by brian may hmm. and it was released in 1984 correct and that's all i got before the tablet died do so you know please what, tell you know, us more. do you know what album it was i do not the works. Hmm. Okay. Tell um, us some interesting facts fourth, about Hammer to Fall. Fourth and final single to be released from that album. Mm-hmm. Um, the single version was edited down by 30 seconds in contrast to the version on the album. Okay. Are we, are we going to go with the album version? Um, yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, let's see. The song was featured in the film Highlander. Hmm. That's uh, the, the, they uh, banded a lot of movies, a lot of music for that movie. They they did a lot of you know they they actually well they did what Flash Gordon and so they did quite a few uh, songs for for movie soundtracks and movies. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, the lyrics at several points refer to the Cold War era, in which the band members all, all grew up. Fueling the popular conception, the f- the song was about nuclear war. Because mm. they talk about shadow of a mushroom cloud. Our voices uh, can't be heard. Just got to say your prayers while you're waiting for the hammer to fall. Mm. Now, the term waiting for the hammer to fall in the song was taken to refer to the anticipation by the public that Cold War would turn hot. Well, in 1984, Reagan was in office. So. Yeah, well, it was also a reference to the Soviet. They think it was a reference to the Soviet hammer and sickle. The song also contains references to death. Um, Lock your door, but the rain is pouring. Baby, now all your struggles are all in vain. Now, the question of the meaning of the song was effectively settled by May when he wrote on his website that Hammer to Fall is really about life and death and being aware of death as being part of life and that the hammer coming down is only a symbol of the Grim, Grim Reaper doing his job. So there hmm. you go. Anything else you need to know? No, I just, like I said, I, I heard the song in the movie and thought, wow, that is an incredibly good song. And yeah. actually, right after the movie, I've, I've, I've got most of Queen's music on my iPod, so I picked it up and played it just because I wanted to hear it again. Yeah, it says the it was a concert favorite. It was the third song on the band's set list at Live Aid. Yeah, I think that's where the that's the part where I heard it was yeah. where they were playing it at Live Aid. At the Freddie Mercury concert in 1992, extreme singer Gary Sharon performed the song with Queen and Tony Iommi I, of Black Sabbath. I know extreme and Van Halen singer Gary Sharon. I was going to say, I would call him the former, former lead singer of Van Halen. But uh, there you go. The song appears in the 1987 science fiction book The Tommyknockers by Stephen King. So there you go. It was also available on Rock Band 3. Oh, maybe I should get Rock Band 3. A portion of the song can be heard during a scene in the sixth episode of Netflix's Stranger Things second season. Look at all this. There you go. All right, Beach. So here up is Queen's Hammer to Fall. 
That is a great song. I'm surprised you'd never heard that before. Yeah, you know, well, like I said, I I, I, I kind of stayed close to, you know, like the Queen's great, Greatest Hits album, so I don't, I don't think it was on that one. Mm-hmm. So, no, totally enjoyed it. And like I said, I think it was that scene in Live Aid where they performed it. I'm going, damn, this is a freaking rocking song. Yeah. So. They got up to number, uh, it doesn't look like it charted in the U.S., you know, I wonder. Uh, I wonder how many of our listeners have uh, watched that movie because of of our our choice in music this year. Yeah, I don't know. It's a great. And actually, our, and our choice in music was because we knew the movie was coming out. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, it all comes around. All right, Beach. It is time to look forward to week number thirteen, the final week of the regular season in the Pac-12, with the, ex- with the exception of Stanford and uh, I forget, yeah. and Cal. Yeah. Okay, what do we got? All right, Beach. First up, uh, we've got two games on Friday. First up, the Apple Cup, Washington at Washington State. I'm taking uh, Wazoo on this one because they're going to be playing in Coleman, Pullman. It's going to be colder than hell. Washington isn't that good. 
and the cold weather is going to make them even worse. All right. Kyle says, Washington at Wazoo, Apple Cup. I want to say Cougs just as much as I want to say Cougat. Eh, hmm, grr, Wazoo. I, too, am going to say Wazoo. Okay. I think they have a shot of having something really special this season. So we'll see how that keeps going. All right. And my thing is their 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 offense is phenomenal, and they actually have a pretty good defense. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, other game on Saturday, on Friday, Beach, the day after Thanksgiving, Civil War, Oregon at Oregon State. And it is going to be a major upset victory. And that stupid train outside Kaiser Station is going to carry an Oregon State banner all of next year. <laughs> you know I flip that thing off every time we go by right now? Do you? Oh, I do, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I do. I flip it off every time we drive by. <laughs> I don't know if people know it, but they uh, outside Kaiser Station where they're building the new In-N-Out, supposedly, um, there's, a, there's a train out that faces I-5. And whatever team wins the Civil War, they call it the Civil War train, and they put the banner of the team out there on the front of it for the entire freaking year, which is all good when there's orange and black on it, but it sucks ass when there's green and white and pink shit yellow on it. And since I've moved to uh, Dallas, I have to drive by it a lot. Ugh. Going anywhere. And so I see that damn thing all the time. It was, I had a good time for a year. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Now it just kind of makes you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit when you drive by. Yep. All right, Beach. All the other games are on Saturday, the 24th. First up. Okay. Stanford at UCLA. Oh, that's not right. Yeah, Stanford at UCLA. Uh, I'm taking Stanford. Taking Stanford. Because I won't. I will not support bitch tits. Um, I too am taking Stanford. Kyle says I'll feel better about this season if UCLA finishes three and nine. Stanford. Okay, so we only got across the board there. Uh, next up for the Territorial Cup. Arizona State at Arizona. Uh, I'm going to take Arizona State. Okay. ASU. Kyle says, ASU will look like they are about to win, but the conspiracy nut inside of me says that Arizona wins the game, making another Pac-12 team bowl eligible. Arizona. Who do you pick, Billy? I just don't know on this one, Beach. What do you do, hotshot? I'm going to take Arizona State. I think they're healthier than Arizona. I know why you did that. Why? Because you don't have to worry about Kyle winning this thing. You have to worry about me winning this thing. So if you match up with me from here on out, you know there's no way I can take you. That's a good idea. So that's why you're going to call the next few games first before I do. (laughs) That's a good idea. That's a great idea. Okay, up next, Colorado at UCLA. How is UCLA playing two games, dipshit? Sorry, I put that down the wrong. <laughs> Colorado, Colorado. After they get done, after they get done in South, they're gonna fly up to Colorado. No, Colorado's gonna play them right after the double feature. <laughs> Sorry, Colorado at Cal. Colorado at Cal. Then who do you pick? Uh, Kyle says postponed. If not, the Buff players try to give 
Uh, try for the coach, but fall short. Cal. I'm also taking Cal. Who are you taking, Hotshot? Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you take Colorado? Possibly fall behind yeah. by more? I know. It's just such a tough call. What? I'm only down by one point. No, you're down by two. Well, I'm down by two points. So I got a chance because we're both disagreeing on the uh, the Stanford-Cal game. Well, no, because we'll have to pick that game again. I don't think that's fair to pick again. We picked it once. The game didn't get played. No, that game didn't get played. It got postponed. It got postponed. There's a difference. It it didn't didn't get canceled. It was postponed. You can't do that because you don't know what's going to happen this week. Okay, hot shot. What if if you took Stanford, right? What if their Uh entire first team offense got killed? They all broke their legs simultaneously. (laughs) You still going to take Stanford? You think that's right? Quit calling the red herring. Quit calling the red herring. You can't make that argument. No, I'm just saying it because it changes from week to week. Just because you don't know what 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 happens the week prior. You but, know, maybe next year we need to call all this shit early, all before the game. The first first game we call all 13 weeks. Really, that's what you want to do? I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be pointless. <laughs> but who are you going to take? Um. I got to take Cal because I think Cal's going to be Colorado. They're going to be in a death spiral. It's like a death roll. <laughs> All right, Beach. Up next, Notre Dame at USC. I'm taking Notre Dame. Kyle says, no bowl for USC. Wasn't there something about a week, uh, about a Heisman contender quarter B on that team on week one? Yeah, no doubt. So he's taking Notre Dame. I, too, am taking Notre Dame. Pisses me off. Because that means Notre Dame's in the playoff, and I hate Notre Dame. But it is what it is. All right, Beach, last game of the week, BYU at Utah. I'm taking BYU. Taking BYU? Mm-hmm. Kyle says, so much jello. He's taking the Utes. I, too, am taking Utah. Okay, so there you go. All right, so we've got the picks done. Okay. All right, Beach. So, so this week we do have Civil War on Friday. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about our Civil War plans. Yeah. So the game is at 1. 1 o'clock kickoff, means, correct. Which means the tailgater goes from 7 to noon. Correct. And early on the season, well, and it's it's a tradition, uh, at least been for the last few years, that we do cheesesteaks. Correct. Well, well, we, do, we do breakfast cheesesteaks. Well, no, not not. We do cheesesteaks, yeah. but this is a morning game. Correct. So it means we do breakfast cheesesteaks. And what makes and a the, breakfast uh, cheesesteak different than a regular cheesesteak? We eat them for breakfast. Correct. <laughs> Whenever I say breakfast cheesesteaks, everyone goes, oh, really? What do you do with a breakfast cheesesteak? I'm like, we eat them for breakfast. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. So we got that, um, and it's going to be clean out the freezer, clean out the cooler day. Yep. So use up everything else we have sitting around. So I don't think I'm going to buy anything new for you to deep fry, Beach. Okay. We're going to use up what we got. We are not bringing out the Traeger. It's just deep. You know, what? Oh, you know what we should look for, though? What? Do they sell uh, boxes of beignets to deep fry? I don't know. That's something we should look for next year. Yeah, we can try that next year. Yeah. 
Okay. But um, anyways, so we're gonna do. Uh, gonna have a lot of potatoes. Okay, we'll have potatoes. We'll bring those potatoes out. We'll do cheesesteaks with the usual onions, peppers, mushrooms choices. We'll have uh, cheese whiz, probably cheddar and provolone. Mm-hmm. And uh, your deep fried stuff and mm-hmm. some chips and veggies, and that's it. Yep. Because we don't have a lot of time. And what we do, Beach, is when we get out there, I am going to, you know how when we do cheesesteaks, I kind of par cook up the onions and the peppers and the, and the steaks so we can just throw them together as we go? Yep. I'm going to cook almost everything up that we have so it's ready to go. So there's no slow, so we, slowing down to, to, to rebuild stuff. We just turn it, and, turn it and burn it. Turn it and burn it so we can just go. So the other thing, Beach, I don't know if you heard um, Gibby and I talking to mom today, but she is going to be making – actually, she already made more pudding shots for Friday. That's what I heard. And did you know what kind of pudding shots she's going to be making? I could only guess maybe – do they make orange pudding? No. Oh, she's, peppermint pudding. No. Oh. Um, I, 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 I'm, I have no idea. Well, who are the beeves playing this week? The Ducks. She's not making shit pudding, is she? What's happening to your phone? Nothing. She's not making shit pudding, is she? No, she's making duck farts. What are duck farts? It's a duck fart shot. What's a duck fart shot? Well, it's kind of a layered shot made with Kahlua, Bailey's, and whiskey. Okay. Yep. So it's called duck fart. Kahlua's on the bottom, then the Bailey's, then the whiskey. Okay. And pudding. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she made those. Now, okay. they say the duck fart shot um, is to Alaska with the Mai Tai is to Hawaii. Or the margarita is to Mexico. Supposedly, okay. it originated in a bar in Alaska on a slow night when the bartender and an older woman were testing recipes. Hmm. The woman drank a few um, and came up with the name duck fart. That's probably after she had a few. Yep. So there you go. So I know mom's already made them. She already made them today. Nice. Yeah, She's ready. She home. Yeah, she is. So anyway, so hopefully we'll see a lot of people out there. Yes, I'm, I'm hoping so. Yeah, and hopefully we'll you know. hopefully we get another Beaver win. Yeah, it should be a good game. I'm hoping it's going to be a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're playing at home. Uh, the Beavers have the ability to do it if they can just get their act together when they all the way and we don't get buried in the hole right off the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's the big ducks. thing is they dig themselves a big hole too yeah, often. And ducks, and, and ducks are not as good as they think they are. Nope. Uh, but they're a decent team. But yep. uh, they're far from being a dominating team. Correct. And uh, by God, Reese still got some magic left in her. So hopefully we can uh, hopefully can win this one. I agree. All right, Beach. It is now time for Beach's rant of the week. Rant. Yeah, you got a rant this week? 
I do have a rant this week. Okay. Hold on here. I have some notes. Yeah, you got to prepare for my rant, and then I go off. Okay. I title it. You know what I title it? No. My rant. Okay. Yeah. It started, I was actually, so I was telling Billy earlier, but I'll tell the audience, I was watching this, I've been watching these documentaries that were put together by Tom Hanks uh, on Netflix, and they go through the decades, like the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, and 60s, and I'm, I'm all the way up to the 90s now. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, and I started watching this thing, and I started thinking, what am I going to do my rant on? And then I thought about our trip and a bunch of the crap. So here it goes, damn it. Okay. Billy, do you know what happened on December 14th, 1999? Hmm. December 14th, 1999. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A terrorist named Ahmad Rassam came across the Victoria Ferry to Washington State with a truckload of explosives to commit a terror attack at LAX on New Year's Eve. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. He was stopped by a border security guard because he was just acting nervous and twitchy. Now, I would say the U.S.-Canadian border is a fairly secured border. Would you not say that? The what border? The the, the U.S.-Canadian border. Oh, yeah, fairly, fairly secure. Yeah. Fairly secured border. And ultimately, we don't have a lot of unscrupulous people coming into either countries from from airlines that would be able to make the make the trek across illegally, right? Usually, yeah. Okay, okay. And but on our southern border, we have very little security, and we have about three hundred thousand people that cross that border illegally, right? About mm-hmm. 300,000 people a year. It's actually down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But on average for the last few years, it's been about 300,000 people a year. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. So now that being said, there's 42,000 people who wear blue shirts at the local air, at the at the airports that harass us, make us take off our shoes, radiate us, and and take our deodorant because it's an ounce too much, and all that kind of crap. Wouldn't you not agree? Yeah. Okay. Do you know that the last three times I've flown, I have a set of keys that I, I keep on me, all my keys, right? Uh-huh. So separate from my automobile keys, I have my just my, my house keys and all that. On that is a little, you've seen it, my little small knife, right, that uh-huh. I pull out that I occasionally use as a tailgater to cut the, the holes in the, in, the garbage, in the cardboard, right? Yep. Guess how many times they've confiscated that? Never. Not. Now. Is that knife about the same about a knife that was used to do the t- September 11th terrorist attacks? Probably, because that was just those are just razor blades. Uh huh. Pretty darn close. Yeah. Okay. So, and and how much do we freaking pay every time we take a flight to pay for those blue shirts to harass us, to radiate us, to make us take off our shoes, to get us in awkward positions so that we can sit on a bench and get our shit together after we have to unravel it for the minute and a half? Right, about six bucks. We pay five dollars and sixty cents per flight. Goes for every time you pay a ticket. So if you're buying a sixty-five dollar fare on JetBlue, five dollars and sixty cents of that money has to go to pay to that blue guy to give you shit, and he doesn't do a goddamn thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and 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 then then what I absolutely freaking love is well, if the line gets too long in security, then suddenly they can open up the ordinary. The ordinary metal detector, right? Oh, go ahead and leave your shoes on. Don't worry about your belt 
We just need to get people through here. Yeah. Okay, so what the hell is all this shit for? If you can just let people go through here and it's just random, you know, and I'll tell you, I work in retail part time. You know when shoplifters take advantage of your asses? When you're busy and there's too many people in your freaking store. So how much you want to bet if you were going to be a terrorist and you were going to take down a goddamn plane, you're going to take it on the busiest travel day of the year because you're going to figure the security's down because the line's too long and they're going to put you through the stupid square little thing instead of the freaking uh, Flavor Flav scanner. <laughs> no, the Flavor Flav scanner because if you ever go into the scanner with the big scanner, there's a clock right around your neck that makes you look like Flavor Flav. Mm-hmm. So for all you people who do that, you got to go, yep, please, when you go in there. <laughs> and it's really funny, mainly to me. But I appreciate it. But anyway, going back to the rant, freaking bullshit. I'm tired of being stolen $5.60 every time I freaking fly so I can be harassed. I have to take off my shoes and do all this shit for what absolutely constitutes nothing. There's no – they are not creating any security anymore. The security of flying anymore is by the people in that plane because they know the ramifications if somebody does try to make a terrorist attack on a plane. And I don't think they're going to tolerate it anymore. No. You know, they can do it to us once. They're not going to do it to us twice. Yep. And and I'm tired of getting $12 stolen from me every time I go to a destination back because that $12 could buy me a nice freaking value meal or maybe a double-double and, and a cheese fry and a strawberry shake at In-N-Out. But I can't because some jackass in blue took it from me. Yep. So, and it, yeah, it's, my, it's symbolism over substance. Absolutely. And, and it just pisses me off. So, and all you other people, you can be sitting there going, well, no, I think they do something bullshit. They don't do a goddamn thing other nope. than annoy everybody who gets in that line. Yep. They could, easily, you know, I miss, they could easily just run our stuff through a metal detector or through an x-ray and call it good. Mm-hmm. But they want, it's, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So. It's just trying to make people feel safe. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's symbolism over substance. And and if they ultimately fail, they're not going to take responsibility. But that's just what happens. Yep. So anyway, yeah. and so we get after traveling two weeks and two weekends in a row. Yeah, but I just you know, or or you pay enough money and they'll give you a free pass and you can do it anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Which other people would call extortion, but we call it being part of the what? What do they call that list? The, your uh, when you when you go in and you pay the money. Oh, the pre-screen list, whatever it is. Yeah. The, the pre-check. Yeah. yeah, pre-check. Yeah. I already gone through pre-check. I, I paid the government some money, and now I can get my get more privileges than everybody else. Yeah. I like that. Pay to get privileges. Yeah, pretty much. But, and and that's one thing if it's in a private club, but it's something different if it's with the federal government. So mm-hmm. anyway, there's, there's, my, there's my rant of the week. So next time you guys go and you fly somewhere, just know that $5.60 is being stolen from you every time you fly so that you can pay to be harassed. It's lovely. Nice that you can pay for your own, uh, you know. If I'm going to pay to be touched inappropriately, it's going to be with some hot blonde and a scantling cat outfit. What's wrong with your phone? I'm sorry. (laughs) You sound like you're talking down a tube. I'm sorry. I'm holding my phone upside down. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 119 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, ask a question, uh, HeinrichTailgator gmail.com, HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, also HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember to listen and subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a rating and review. Listen on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app. Beach. Billy. Last Tailgator of 2018. I'm not sure if I'm ready for the season to be over just yet. I'm not either. 
I, I'm, I'm hoping we can tie UCLA for uh, wins. That would be nice. Yeah. That would be that's, nice. That, that's the goal right there. So uh, hopefully we'll see everybody out Friday morning for a little cheesesteak action. And until then, here's a great big FTD.
Squeege. Billy. How do I sound? You sound just like yourself. Well, that's always good. I guess. So. Unless I don't want to sound like me. I've been watching the the 90s, you know, on that documentary on Netflix. Oh, yeah? Because let's do this. Welcome to Illegal Participation. Oh, so now you're ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Maybe a sip of soda. Okay. Welcome to Illegal Participation.